0: I've entitled my message today, Understanding Our Purpose. Understanding Our Purpose with the word vision. So let's now pray for uh, this upcoming election and for our message today. Father, have mercy on us. Probably like many believers and Christians and men of faith who lead churches. Sometimes we've not been sure exactly how to pray, except what we sang this morning, Thy will be done. Lord, have mercy on us. For where, forgive us, Lord, where we've been consumed in our own lives. Where, Lord, we as a nation sometimes have drifted from biblical standards and truths and principles, and we've said, God, we'll do it our way. So I pray that your will would be done on Tuesday. I pray, Father, that every American would take their responsibility and a constitutional Republican will vote. But I pray that you will heal the great divide in our nation. Lord, whether you're far right, far left, or everywhere in between, there's a biblical truth that a house divided cannot, will not stand. And so, Lord, I'm praying for our nation to come together to repent, to fall on our knees, to plead with you to heal the great divide in our nation, to turn back to you. No matter where we stand politically, no matter how we wrangle about our political views, Lord, we'll come together as Americans before you and ask for your will to be done. And so, Lord, I pray for your church to stand up and pray in this time. Father, I pray for today that you would open our eyes and our heart and our understanding to more fully embrace the purpose you have for us as people, as the church, as this church, that you begin to clarify your vision that you have for Connections Church. And then, Lord, in coming days and weeks and months and years, Lord, we'll make sure that we're in right alignment with your call, your plan, your purpose, and your vision for us so that we don't find ourselves living a life of vanity, but a life of of purpose and vision. So, Lord, we declare our deep and ever-abiding love for you. We're grateful and we're thankful, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe everything was created with a purpose in mind. Do you believe this? Understanding purpose is very, very important. Let's see if I can illustrate. Can everybody see this? You know what this is? If you don't, uh, come talk to me afterwards if you can see it. This is a writing utensil. It's a pen. This pen was created with purpose in mind. Uh, You've heard me say this illustration. If I do not understand the purpose for this pen, and I try to utilize it as a screwdriver, there's two things that are probably going to happen. Number one, it's not going to work. And number two, I'll probably put more pressure on it, trying to make it happen, and I'll break it. And so oftentimes with people's lives, or even in church, when we're not clear on a purpose, We wonder why it doesn't work and why it breaks. It's because we didn't understand the purpose for its creation. What's the purpose in your life? Wow, what a way. That woke you up, didn't it? Even with that extra hour of sleep. What's God's purpose for your life? That's kind of like a double espresso, right? That should wake you up. Let me tell you the truth. I've been in ministry a long time, working with people for a long time. And statistically, I would say seven out of eight people, including Christians, could not clarify or crystallize the purpose for their life. And then we wonder why our lives don't work. Or we don't understand why we wake up one day and life is broken. It's because we haven't really maybe given ourselves to understand purpose and God's purpose for our lives. What's God's purpose for Connections Church. The next two weeks, I'm going to lay out a little bit of a a vision. After the first of the year, we'll talk about it more in depth. But you need to know, if you're going to be a part of this church, that God has a clear purpose for us. So that we don't spend our time just in status quo. I really believe that without purpose, people become prisoners of vanity. Can I say that again? Without clear purpose, people become prisoners of vanity, and we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that if we're a part of this church, that we have captured and clarified and given ourselves to and working towards and aligning with God's purpose for this church. Not mine, not yours. His purpose. Understanding our purpose as a church defines our vision. Have you ever heard the word Vision. It's thrown around quite a bit, but in the life of a church, it's very important that you understand the vision that God's given the church. Have you ever heard me say, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it? I think it's true in a person's life, an individual life, a married couple, or even in a church. But I believe as a church, if we can understand God's vision, we can impact the world in a relevant and a dynamic way. That's why we're here. It's not about us. <laughs> that may be the most important thing I said. Maybe we can go home today. It's not about us. Now, the world will tell you that. America tells you that. But it's about his vision so that we can make a dynamic and relevant difference in our culture and our world while we're still here. I want to share briefly with you about my journey. Can I, can I let my hair down though there's not much there? <laughs> Many of you know if you've been around me for any time or been a part of my ministry, I want to be as relevant and, and as authentic and genuine as I can be. I don't want to play a game about it, but I need to tell you a few things, and I don't have time to give you my whole story, but I was radically converted to Christ in 1978 out of the drug scene. I was broken, lost. Angry kid. And when it walked into a church here in town, I grew up here, uh, first Christian church over at 608 East Drake, and uh, just had a dramatic conversion. Uh, then I began to show up every time the doors were open, the church, pastors would tell you I was there before they were. And uh, a couple months later, uh, through a divine way, uh, I was on staff. Uh, I met the Lord dramatically in uh, August of uh, 1978. And by November, I was on staff, which they told, told me years later, if they would have known I was only a Christian for a couple of months, they would have never hired me. So uh, they didn't do their due diligence, but the, the miracle power of God was at work. And I was a youth pastor there for eight years. And then I moved to Oklahoma City and took a group of about 30 people and we started a church. So I've been kind of through this uh, uh, planting, starting churches uh, back from uh, 1987. And I was eight years there. And then I moved to uh, Oklahoma City, I mean to Cincinnati, Ohio. I was selected to be the president of an international work that was based out of uh, Cincinnati. And we did work domestically, and we had work in eight foreign countries. And so I traveled a lot, and it took a real toll on my family. I was gone about seven months out of the year. And uh, finally we just decided that, you know, we couldn't do that. So I moved back to Fort Collins. Uh, I um, worked uh, my other ministry, reorganized it, worked that part time, and also worked part time uh, helping uh, a church in town develop an a, a, um, eldership model and some discipleship stuff, a church called Jesus Christ Fellowship. Good friend of mine, Johnny Square. We did that, and then in 2004, I started Life Church. Uh, Another church started here in town that's still going, and uh, again, don't want to bring up too much, but uh, uh, about five years ago, uh, a little over five years ago, I sensed God wanting me to really pastor pastors. Pastors are hurting. Their, their marriages are hurting. Their kids are hurting, and, and they're supposed to stand up here and look good all the time and spin it, and you have everybody and their brother who has a different idea and opinion about God and the church and what the church should be, and, and so it's just a tough place, so what I did is I, I hired a gentleman from uh, Michigan to uh, lead that church, and I stayed on staff part-time while I was doing the other. Uh, Unfortunately, from my perspective, I was out uh, helping uh, consult with churches, and uh, unfortunately, from my perspective, good people, but felt like um, they had believed it was time for me to move on which uh, it was very challenging for me, and I'm just going to be honest, very difficult, because I planned to remain at that church, continuing to, to uh, pastor, though the new man was to lead the vision and, and teach. And many of you were a part of that, and you know that, and you know it was very difficult. And uh, that was one of the most difficult times of my life. I took my ministry to, to shepherd and pastor people very seriously, and in a quick moment, I had to try to discern whether or not I continued on my ministry to pastor churches and be traveling, or to come back to the commitment that I had made to many of you, to be a senior pastor and to lead. And I had to make a quick decision on that. And and I believed that my responsibility was to honor the Lord by being a shepherd to the people that I had said I would be a shepherd to. Many of you know I've been there. You've been there for me, and I've been there for you in times of trauma. Some of you have lost children, and I got to be with you and, and walk you through that process of grief and funeral. I've been with many of you and led you through difficult times. And there's been marriage situations, and there's been death of, of loved ones, and there's been crisis that has transpired. I've been able to celebrate with some of you in marrying your kids. Or, uh, I mean, that's what shepherds do. But when we started this church, I was a wounded man, deeply wounded, deeply hurt, deeply confused, and broken. And when we started three years ago in the fall, I said to you, I'll do two things I'll preach, I'll be serious, faithful, be in the Word, seeking God to bring His heart to you through the Word, and I'll pastor you. You can call me 24 7. Doesn't mean I'll always answer 24 7, but. I want to be there for you. I want to be a shepherd. There's one thing that was missing, though, is I was not sure that I wanted to catch a vision, God's vision. and I knew that would challenge me, and I just wasn't there. How many of you know that healing through very painful times, it's not like a light switch. It just happens yesterday or tomorrow. It's taken me a long time. And in the spring, Nick said to me, he said, what's the vision of the church? And, um, if you know anything about me, my wife will tell you I don't like surprises. Uh, if you've got an issue, uh, email me or call me or write me a letter so that I'm not caught off guard because I, I'm a defensive human, human being. I'm the only one on the planet. Nobody else in here is defensive, but uh, I am. So if I'll have a chance to think about it and pray about it. So I reacted to Nick. I just said, Nick, hey, it's for me to preach and pastor the people. I couldn't get away from it. If you know anything about me, I might react defensively, but I'll pray about it. I'll go home and I'll try to be a man of integrity and I'll seek the Lord. I began to pray. God, what's what's your purpose? Yeah, I want to be faithful to preach and to pastor, but you have have a bigger purpose. I know that. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. not sure that uh, I want to go that direction, but I just kept praying sincerely. How many of you know, if you ask God for a vision, what His vision is, it just doesn't happen overnight. It takes months and months and months and months of laboring and on your knees and praying. And I'm not trying to make it sound like but I'm just telling you, it's not an easy thing. You got Because I don't want to come up with my own. That would be vanity and foolishness to the highest degree. So God, what's your plan? What's your purpose? What's your vision? So I spent months and months and months before the Lord. And He began to give me... A few things, and he began to give me a word. And when I first heard, it, I thought, "Well, that—that's that, probably not God. they <laughs> done that." And uh, I have to admit to you, I, I, I reacted personally, and because I'm a pastor and I care about people and people's feelings, I began to uh, to question whether that was His word, because I think I maybe understand our dynamics here a little bit, and so I began to be resistant. But I began to pray. And it just seemed like whenever I was reading or studying or on my knees or looking at this or reading a book, it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. It was like God was continuing to confirm and confirm and confirm and confirm. And uh, so I began to say, "Okay, I'm going to open my heart a little bit and, and maybe walk down that road to see whether this is really the Lord. Before that, I was probably a little stubborn. And I know that's not very often that I do that with my personality. But instead of being stubborn, i give myself to that. And the word was change. Wow, look at all the hearts and minds and thoughts going on right now. I'm not sure I wanted to change. I was hurting. I was confused. I was working through feelings of unforgiveness and anger. And they said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do we want to change? Individually, as a church, we... Find our little road and our little ways of doing things and where we sit in the building. (laughs) Was that too much of a dig? (laughs) You know, I'm pretty honest, I'm going to come at you in love. Don't be mad at me. But I continue to pray and as that transpired and you'll see in a bit, I think the Lord just began to unveil. A variety of things to me it's very an embryonic form and we're, we're going to talk about it in, in a moment but anyway when you hear the word change I think there for me there was a couple things first it's a little bit scary challenging potentially uncomfortable I just love it that everybody says pastors are so controlling and you know what that's so true but you know what pastor say about congregational members they're so controlling Welcome to humanity. We all are. We're human. We like it our way. But also change is exciting. It can be very motivational, and it's life-changing. So I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but I'm going to invite you to go to a passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. And I want to start talking to you briefly about um, vision. Vision, this word vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18, and if you don't have your Bible, you can look on the PowerPoint, but I really always encourage you to bring your Bible, so this is a workbook, man, and I, if, if life gets more challenging and, and more dark and more difficult, you know, you might not have me be able to every Sunday bring the Word to you, so it would be good that you maybe had your own workbook in front of you. But in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I know you guys have some different translations out there, but this is out of the New King James Version. It says, where there is no revelation, and I'll talk about it in a moment, the, the Hebrew word, it also means vision, they're uh, hand in hand. Where there is no revelation or vision, the people perish or cast off restraint. Pretty powerful spiritual truth. When, when people for themselves or church doesn't have vision or revelation of God, they, they cast off restraint and the result usually is they perish. So let me talk briefly about uh, this Hebrew, Hebrew word, vision or rev, revelation. And it's the word kazon. Kazon, it's Hebrew. And it really actually has three meanings. First of all, it means a revelation from God. That's the origin. A man doesn't come up with it just because he wants to be clever or put it on the marquee or because he's got promotional tools. That's not a vision. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about a vision, a revelation where Almighty God makes it clear to an individual, to a family, to a church, what his plan and his purpose is. Number two, then to see it mentally. It's once you get it, then, but then God has to form it a little bit and it begins to be clear and crystallized in the mind and that, that takes a little bit of time. Just because you get it, then it has to take time to, to grow and develop and mature. And then number three, it's to consider with pleasure. God's plans are awesome. They're powerful, they're beautiful, they're inspirational, and they're motivational. And let me just to hit it because I'm getting older. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I understand whenever there's a revelation, Revelation. Again, I've been in church. I actually, I just completed 38 years into my 39th year. This is the third, third church that I, I've started and developed. I understand there are what are, people are called early adapters. I'll share this message today and some of you will be there. You'll go,
1: yeah,
0: I'm on board. Sign me up. I'm ready. You don't need to figure it all out. You don't need to understand it all. That's just your personality. You'll be an early adapter. And they say that usually 15 to 20% of any group dynamic is that. So 15 or 20% of you today are going to go right on. All right? Then there's going to be a larger percentage, either right in the middle. You're not going to leave here going, I'm really excited or I'm really opposed. You don't really know. You'll be wait and see. I don't really know. Uh, you won't be emotionally high or low. It'll just be kind of um, average, if you will. And then the remaining maybe 15 to 25%, you'll leave here. If, you're, if this is a normal group, you will go, I don't like it. I'm not for it. And you'll be resistant right away. Now, that doesn't mean that any group is right or wrong. It's who you are. It's what human beings are about. It's what group dynamics are about. But I'm going to ask you whether you're really excited or your status quo or you're against. I'm asking you to start praying about it. And give us some time to grow together and learn about it. I'm only going to hit some things this week and next week. We'll be diving into it a little more after the first of the year. So where there is no vision or revelation or plan and purpose of God, it says people perish or they cast off restraint. This Hebrew word has four different dynamics, and it's usually a progression. First of all, it means to dismiss and to say it's not important. It's not important I have a vision. It's not important that we really get a revelation. We're all together. We love each other. We meet here on Sunday morning. We're paying the bills. Uh, Dylan is leading worship, and Nick is leading the youth. We've got kids. It's not important to have a vision. It's almost a sense of dismissal. or Again, it's a lower priority. That usually leads to going astray, meaning then we live life selfishly. We no longer are living for a higher cause or a a higher purpose. We're living for ourselves. When people don't have a clear understanding of God's plan and purpose for their life, for their church, they don't live for a higher cause. How many Christians are not living for a higher cause? They, They have kind of christian on their name they'll put it over their doorpost they would say they are but they're not living for a higher purpose right at this morning we need to be living for the divine the next life for the eternal so when people have vision and purpose they kind of dismiss this little thing and then they they um, they kind of go astray they cast off restraint it also then means to lead to uselessness and ineffectiveness again they become prisoners of vanity They're no longer living up to their God-given potential. And they miss being a representative for God and His kingdom in that day and age. And then the last point, again progressively, it means injury or damage. They live broken lives. They fall prey to their humanism. They fail to experience spiritual transformation. They live defeated lives. It's like the pen. They, They don't have a vision, God's vision for their life, for their marriage, or for their church. And so it doesn't work. And the more pressure they put on it, it breaks. So vision for any individual, for any marriage, for any family, for any city, but in this case for any church, is vitally important. And up to this particular point, I haven't brought that. I haven't sought it. But it's now my time, my role, my responsibility, my opportunity to, I believe, begin the process to help us look at and start to learning and growing and developing what God purpose for this church because you may have come because you wanted to hear me preach or you wanted me to pastor you and vice versa, and that's all good and right, and I'm not negative. A shepherd should be doing that. A shepherd should be praying. A shepherd should be preaching. A shepherd should be feeding. A shepherd should be caring for. But also, a shepherd needs to be a leader and understand the vision that God's given for that church. And so that's what my role and responsibility and opportunity is now. So let's transition real quick. Connection Church vision change, and I know it's going to take some time, but let me make some statements. First, change is inevitable. Our world and our culture are dominated by change. Change, change, change. It seems like a constant. How many of you have the uh, ability and the power to keep change at bay? To keep it in check and to resist it? No, none of us do. There's no human being that does. Part of the human journey is that change is going to be a part of that. Change has and is increasing in this day and age. Matter of fact, if you want to know something, last week I did uh, uh, ten signs of the coming last days. And If you weren't here, I encourage you to uh, sign up for a CD or go on to our website and, and get that. But uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says that in the last days there'll be an increase of knowledge and change. Have you noticed how change is so rapid now? It used to be people changed and situations changed, but it seemed to go a little slower. It's on a fast track right now. That's a sign of the end times, the last days. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. The moment you feel that you have life and situations and conditions under control, you better be ready because change is going to come knock at your door. How many of you will agree with me? As much as all of us try to control whatever thing we in life, uh, once you think you get there, change is coming. Number two, so in a world and a culture of change, how are we Christians and the church to respond? Ignore it, resist it, fight it, Speak against it? Be demeaning about it? No, we're to change. Let me give you a quick little idea. When I say change, I'm not talking about external so that we create new programs and we have the lights here and maybe the smoke and uh, and change. I'm not talking about external. I'm talking about internal, about growth and development and maturity and transformation. We need to be growing and we're needing to be changing individually. And at church, we can't be stuck on dead center. We can't be caught in survival. We just can't. I think you can pick up the Bible and you'll see change, 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 change. Now, don't get me wrong. God never changes. This word never changes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a progressivism person who believes that everything is evolving. No, no. God, His Word, His sovereignty, His character, His nature will never change. This Word will never change. But how we approach it and apply and grow and mature... How many of you have arrived? You're the best you can be. I did this this week. I said, okay, how far along am I on my spiritual journey between 1 and 10? I'm not going to tell you what I come up with. But you know what I did come up with? I still have a lot of growth. I still have a lot of maturity. I still have a lot of changing that needs to go on. Three, change should be viewed as a positive, not a negative. Change is a positive word. Can I hear an amen? You might not feel that right now, but I'm telling you the truth. Change is a positive word. It seems like our human nature, and especially what? As we get older and we mature, we respond often to change as a negative. If we've tried to design and control and make and manufacture our lives and our worlds the way we want, and if I can just insulate this little world that I've created and hold on to that, then that's heaven on earth. I've arrived. I don't have to change anymore. Change is for the young people. Change is a positive word. You know when you begin resistant to change, you know two of the things that I think begin to take place and can influence your life? Compromise and mediocrity. I don't want to change. I got it all under control. And pretty soon you wake up and you compromise because you've not arrived. God's got a bigger plan and purpose for your life. You compromise and you become mediocre. I don't know. God's not called us to mediocrity. And thank you, and this shouldn't be for this platform. You know, I just got through writing my book, and I'm trying to get it edited and published it. It's called Living Above Average. I find that most people live average lives, and they're content with living average lives. That's buying into mediocrity. And compromise, when God has something greater for you, change is okay. Change is a positive word. It doesn't always feel that way, but it is. See, compromise and mediocrity are enemies to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and spiritual transformation. Next one, four, by definition, Christians are to be agents of change. I don't know if you ever heard that, but you heard it right here today. Jesus was an agent of change. The disciples were agents of change. Christians of previous times were agents of change. Those living today were to be agents of. I got three early adapters with me. As followers and disciples of Jesus, we're to carry on continuing the momentum of change in our generation. The great spiritual leaders and heroes of the past saw change from a positive perspective, and they're used of God to implement love and mercy and grace and power in the kingdom to a lost, broken, dying, confused world. The church, if there's anybody to be agents of change, it's not Washington! Washington! It is not who wins this presidential election. God has called Christians, God has called the church to be the main agent of change in our world and our culture. If Christians are going to fulfill the great commandment to love God and others and the great commission to spread the message of Jesus, we're going to need to be people of change. Thank you, man. We're way over the early adapters there. Loving God and spreading the message of Jesus Christ can't be, uh, uh, can't be achieved by a resistant or p- passive condition. We need to keep changing, Christians. We need to keep growing into the Christ-likeness that we need. The Bible says that He's renewing our inward person day by day by day. What's a word? Change. God, His Holy Spirit's in you working to change you day by day by day. That's why change is not a negative word, it's a positive word. We need to keep changing, finding relevant ways. To impact our culture. I mentioned to you and I got into preaching that uh, really only the second time I've ever uh, ministered in a jail. The first time was in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And the la- next time was a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Larimer County Jail. I had to be willing to get outside of my comfort zone to do something I'd never done. It was a change for me. Yeah, I was a little uncomfortable. I was unsure. I told you that day I didn't want to go there. And I went there and there was church like I hadn't seen church in a long time. The Holy Spirit fell in such a dynamic way. And there's 60 guys that are hurting and broken and confused and incarcerated who stand up, come to the front, drop into their knees, yelling, Jesus, have mercy on me. They're crying. and they're hugging each other, and they're wanting to make a difference in the world. But I had to be willing to change, to go into a different environment, to get out of my comforts and my routine, to see God work in different ways. Not only do I need to be changing as a man, but we need to be changing as a church, finding ways and opportunities where God's going to send us. That's the vision of the church for the future. That's going to be our purpose. Thank you. And we're just starting Putting it simply, Connection Church is, is to be made up of people of change, a community of change, to impact the world with change. This is God's vision for us not to be content with just who we are right now or where we're at, no matter what our age. We don't want to fall prey to compromise or mediocrity. Spiritual survivalism and personal comfort should never rule over, take priority over our spiritual responsibility. So those of you who, and I understand, have been at a place going, what are we doing Sunday morning, same, same old, same old. Yeah, I know you're there to preach, Jeff. Thank you. I know I can call you 24-7. You'll pastor me. Thank you, Jeff. But I feel our church is kind of stale and stagnant. And we do the same thing, roll in, roll out, and... Are people coming to Christ? Are people growing? Are people developing? Are we making a difference in our world? Are we making an impact in, in Fort Collins? Are, are we making a, a difference in northern Colorado? Is this place ever going to be filled up? I want to say it requires vision and understand God's purpose, which I believe means we're going to be a community of change. Now you go, oh, I don't know what that means. I'm going to have Dylan in the back come back. How many of you got a handout? So what we're going to talk about next week a little more in depth. How many of you know, if you've been around me and him at a time, that whenever I get these words, <laughs> whenever I teach, it's E's or F's, or, or there has to be an acrostic. Is this an acrostic or an acronym, those of you who are English majors? A what? Acrostic. It's come right from the voice of... Uh, Rinalda, so I take it that. And so after I gave myself to this whole thing and been praying and saying, God, what does that mean? See, you've heard me say, I, I don't want to build programs that the church has built for... I've been in this a long time, and I want to tell you, don't get me wrong, you'll, you'll react to this because I react, but I've never seen a program change a person. Churches and pastors spend so much time, most of their time, building programs, keeping them running, keeping them going, dealing with all the problems, but people's lives don't change. And at my age, 42, I... I just don't want to do that anymore. But I do want to give myself to something that will transform and ignite and, and help people find their spiritual purpose. And, and so I just began to say, okay, God, what are the, del- the ideas? And this is what I think we're going to be developing around it. I'll talk about it in the future, but C stands for connection. I told you when we got started, I think I don't think
1: Christianity
0: needs to be simple I mean simplistic, but I think it means to be simple. We're to love God and love others. But I don't always see that. People roll in, roll out. I don't know if there's that connection. So we're going to talk about that. Healing. How many of you, and I'll talk about it next week. This is what I'm going to go over so I can't do too much today. How many of you know we live in a broken world? And how many of us, don't raise your hand, are broken? Spiritually. Emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially. Jesus came to heal the, the spirit, soul, and body to read the New Testament. And you're going to see it everywhere. Jesus came preaching, teaching, and healing. Isn't that the church? How are we supposed to be carrying on His work? So I'm excited about that with authenticity. You know, it's important to me. I talked to some people today, uh, this other week that were doing some work at our house, and there were about six guys, and none of them knew the Lord. We got talking, they found out I was a pastor, and me engaged Gage and stuff. And, and I just started to talk to them and said, man, you seem so authentic. They used that word. And they went, oh, good! They didn't see me as this religious pastor telling them what. One guy told me, you know what? Yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend. You know, and my, my uh, uncle's a Catholic preacher. And he said, I'm living in sin, and I'm going to burn in hell. I just listened to him. Well, I want you know. Now don't get me wrong. you know, I'm not advocating. But I loved on and listened to him. You know what? I said, man, you're so authentic, man. I've met people like you. I want to be an authentic church. I want to be a religious church. I want to be a place where the non-believer goes, God, why why would I want to go spend an hour and a half with those people? Because we're all broken, we all have baggage, we all have issues we deal with. Let's be a place where we love on each other and to be authentic and we can be transparent and we can pray for each other and we can we can weep with each other. Real church needs to be real and authentic. Networking, we can't do it alone, and we'll talk about that. We had mission Sunday, it was pretty good. Generosity, oh, I love this one. You know what? Sometimes the world doesn't see us. generous. I told you that when I was in Oklahoma City pastoring waiters and waitresses the time they didn't want to work was Sunday at noon. The church was getting out. And all these Christians were going to eat, and they would leave no tip or a little tip. I want every, if we all go out to eat, and it's not quite as important here as it is in the Bible, Belt. but if we all go out to eat, I want waiters and waitresses, please, please, would you allow me to work on Sunday at noon? Because the church is getting out, and Christians are going to be there, and they're some of the most generous people in the world. That's so attractive. Stinginess is not attractive. Tight waddedness is not attractive. Sacrificial giving and generosity is attractive. I want to be around those people. And last encouragement. I think I have in all of my passion and all of my works and all of my humanity. I believe I do have a gift in my heart as I want to encourage. Our world
1: is so discouraged. I
0: meet with so many people. I'm dealing with three couples right now that are in the midst of such tragedy in their in their marriages. And they all hit at one time, three in, a, three in a row. And I don't know if any of them are going to make it. They need somebody whose heart breaks for them and has time for them. People anymore. And it's not just the role of a pastor, it's the role of the church, it's the role of each of us. I weep for those three couples. I don't know they're gonna make it. I'm praying for them, I'm gonna counsel, I'm gonna lead them through a process. But my heart is, oh, God, let me be an encouragement to them. They're so discouraged. They're so upset. They're so angry. They're so fearful. We're to be
1: people
0: of change. I want people to say, man, those people over at Connection Church. Oh, they encourage you. You walk in the door and they'll encourage you. You call them, they'll be there. They'll encourage you feet as they'll be the encouragement of God to you in in difficult and challenging and dark times. I've been gone to preach the next week's message, so I better end. I believe God wants us to be a community of change. Talk about it next week. Father, help us Help us to surrender to the plan and purpose you have for our life and for our church. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
1: Somehow I ended up here. I don't wanna think I may never understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan. When I try to pray, all I've got is hope And I am not sure.